Well, welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Glad you're with us. It's Tuesday, November 24th, 2020, just two days before Thanksgiving. A day, by the way, where I will be officially overeating and using Alka-Seltzer as a chaser after the meal. You can count on that. Uh, as for today's show, President Trump may need an Alka-Seltzer. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have now been the certified winners in the state of Pennsylvania. And look, they pose together as a cardboard cutout. We wait for the expected court battle. Uh, meanwhile, the news doesn't get any better for President Trump after the GSA officially signed off on giving Biden federal money for the presidential transition. It doesn't mean the fight's over, but PR-wise, obviously, it certainly isn't great for the president. Uh, also today, truckers coming to Trump's defense, thousands and thousands of them stopping their wheels in protest over the election. We're going to talk to one who stopped driving today. But first to our newsmaker, I want to discuss all these election machinations. How's that for 90,000 syllables? Uh, with Matt Schlapp, a president of the American Conservative Union. Matt, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Great to be with you again, Dave. So uh, what do you say? Uh, I mean, there are critics out there in the media, obviously, and even some Republicans who say this thing's essentially over. I want to get you uh, give a chance to respond here, Matt. Look, I feel that you have half of the country that believes the election was stolen. We have a big problem if we want to still be in the United States of America. So I encourage everyone to do uh, in 2020 what we did in 2000, what, which is to go through all the legal steps. In this case, expose all the fraud and the illegal balloting. And when we get done with that process, uh, one of these two men is going to have years in the White House. And to short circuit that process will be a huge mistake because we would have ruptured half the country as 73.3 million Americans are essentially disenfranchised due to this criminal action around illegal voting in these series of states. I had all this, I had all this time in Nevada. I saw it firsthand. So, Matt, what's the battle plan ahead then exactly? I mean, you've got obviously Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis and the team. They're working on certain ways to do this through the legal challenges. But beyond that, what, what, how, how is this going to potentially play out? I mean, are we looking at Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia signature recounts? What's, what, what, what exactly do we have to expect here? Well, let's talk about two states. So, as I said, I spent a lot of time in Nevada and the heroes in Nevada, the team we have on the ground who are being attacked and doxxed. Uh, for stepping forward to making sure that we expose this fraud. There's so much fraud in Nevada that Donald Trump actually won Nevada, not Joe Biden. And I've seen the evidence, which will be uh, explained in court. By the way, we haven't even gotten our court date yet. So all these folks are saying, we've had enough time. Well, we can't speed up the litigation process. Judges make these decisions. In Georgia, there was an illegal... Uh, legal arrangement that came to by the uh, Secretary of State of Georgia with Stacey Abrams, a consent decree, which uh, it, it corruptly set up a way to vote by mail without any signature verification. Now, that Secretary of State did not have the legal authority to entertain this uh, legal step, and so it needs to get broken. And it needs to get broken certainly before we have these two runoffs uh, which will determine the majority in the United States Senate. So these things have to get adjudicated, and unfortunately it takes a bit of time to get there. But don't worry, we didn't resolve the 2000 election until the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe in December, right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, it was good enough for Al Gore to be able to take those steps to make sure that they could be comfortable with the winner. It's okay for a Republican president to do that. Matt, what do you make of the Dominion voting system uh, situation? I mean, I know there was that big kerfuffle, this, not kerfuffle, but Sidney Powell, uh, you know, kind of coming out there and talking about some of that stuff. Do you think some of that can still come to fruition? I mean, I, for example, I, I was uh, having a conversation a little bit with Sidney Powell privately, and she said she's going to file a complaint about this. I mean, some of the stuff's going to come out. I wonder what, what you think about all the Dominion voting system. She's system. a very well-regarded lawyer. She did a great job rescuing my from the terrible process here in Washington, D.C. And uh, if she has the facts, she should put them out there as fast as she can uh, because uh, the president's political opponents are doing everything they can to short-circuit Donald Trump's uh, constitutional rights as an American citizen. And uh, as far as other machines are concerned, we did have whistleblowers that came forward and said there were irregularities with the Dominion system, which is used in almost every county in Nevada. So I have, I have seen that the real problem were the numbers on the machine at night, different uh, tape uh, that will air the next morning. Uh, and, the, and all these irregularities, if they can explain them, they need to explain them quickly. But in Nevada, there are other machine problems. The Agilis machine they use to check signatures uh, for all the mail-in voting, half of the ballots in Nevada came in through the mail. That machine was essentially rendered inoperable by the Democrats who run the elections in Clark County, Nevada. So there are some, there are some illegalities, irregularities that yeah. no question flip states from Trump to Biden. And we need to have the ability to look at all that information so that 73.3 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump can at least feel like there was transparency in the process. Right now, there's no transparency. Matt, I want to get your reaction on that GSA ascertainment, if you will, the letter that came out. Uh, I have to tell you, I was talking to some Trump supporters, some big Trump supporters who were a bit deflated. Not that necessarily the GSA did it, uh, but they kind of felt like, uh, well, at least they felt that Trump maybe shouldn't have uh, necessarily endorsed it. Not that he was endorsing it on Twitter, but that's what they thought. Here's what it said. Because of recent developments involving legal challenges and certifications of election results, I've determined that you, Biden, may access the post-election resources and services described in Section 3 of the Act upon request. The actual winner of the presidential election will be determined by the electoral process detailed in the Constitution. So clearly she's making a difference between federal money and the electoral process. This basically allows uh, Joe Biden's campaign to have some taxpayer-funded office space, something that Al Gore and Bill Clinton denied Republicans of during the 2000 recount. We had to go find office space in McLean, Virginia. Dick Cheney got that done, and many of us volunteered for that transition. Then when that transition, that truncated transition was done, uh, I had the good of getting a political appointment to the White House, and when I got to my office, it had been vandalized, destroyed, W's knocked off the keyboards. So uh, I love the fact that the national press narrative is that Donald Trump is doing something mean by uh, contesting what happened in the election. Uh, and they forget just 20 years ago, I know because I lived it, what was done was abominable uh, in terms of hampering our ability to get started after we won that race in 2000. So we can get through this. If we can get through that, we can get through this. And this is far less problematic for the Biden team 
and what the Bush team had to go through. Yeah. Hey, Matt, uh, before you get out of here, I want to play some of the sound we heard from the president today. Uh, we do finally hear from him. Uh, and it was only in the briefing room for about a minute or so. We talked about the Dow Jones. Uh, and I want to play some of that and get your reaction on the other side. Here it is. Well, thank you very much. And I just want to congratulate everybody. The stock market, Dow Jones Industrial Average, just hit 30,000, which is the highest in history. We've never broken 30,000, and that's just despite uh, everything that's taken place with the pandemic. I'm very uh, thrilled with what's happened on the vaccine front. That's been absolutely incredible. It's, uh, nothing like that has ever happened medically, and uh, I think people are acknowledging that, and it's having a big effect. But uh, the stock market's just broken 30,000, never been broken, that number. That's a sacred number, 30,000. Nobody thought they'd ever see it. Uh, that's the ninth time since uh, the beginning of 2020. And it's the 48th time that we've broken records in during the Trump administration. And I just want to congratulate all the people within the administration that work so hard. And most importantly, I want to congratulate the people of our country because there are no people like you. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. And then, Matt, the media reaction of that was, well, look, you know, Joe Biden, he's coming on board. The stock market's getting excited. They, they just won't give this president any credit whatsoever. Well, Trumponomics worked. Uh, and making America great again started by putting America first again. And you can't argue with the success. I do think that the stock market, or at least Wall Street, always had a dubious view of Donald Trump because he was willing to take them on. And I don't think Joe Biden's going to take any of them on if he were to get the chance and if he is declared the winner of this presidential race. And I think that the American people are going to realize from an economic standpoint very quickly that all of these new regulations that Joe Biden would want to put on the economy will have a disastrous effect on anybody who works hard for a living. Yeah. So 30 seconds as we wrap up here, your message to Trump supporters who might be fading a little bit. I know they I know they're. They're determined. I get it. I get they're determined. But to keep their spirits up and to not be deflated, what's your message to, to them as time continues to tick by here? I will just say that I was raised, my mother was a tennis pro back when there weren't too many female tennis pros. And she taught me no matter what the school is, you fight your guts out until it's over to the last point. Donald Trump is that type of leader. He is not going to stop fighting until every step it's taken and just remember the state of nevada we still haven't even gone to court to explain all the illegalities so there's a lot of time left to make the case and in the end we just have to win once and that's the last court case matt schlapp great to have you on the show i really appreciate it a big happy thanksgiving to you and uh, mercedes and the whole family over there happy thanksgiving to you give god the glory to your reigns all right. Sounds good. Be safe. Uh, that is Matt Schlapp, American Conservative Union here on the Water Cooler. We've got a lot more show coming up. Uh, we got some fun stuff. I mean, when do we never? We always have fun stuff, but uh, we have Diamond and Silk. <laughs> They're coming up next on the show, and they may say a few provocative things. I'm guessing they're not introverts. Back in a moment. And welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, time now to be joined by Diamond and Silk. Uh, Diamond and Silk, always great to have you back on the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. us. 
Well, where do I even begin? Why don't we start with uh, this crazy election stuff that's going on uh, with Donald Trump? All these people are saying that's it. It's over. What do you both say at this point? It's not over until God say it's over. That's Let right. me tell you something. We have constitutional laws in the United States of America, and no law supersedes our constitutional laws, our constitutional rights. So we want the Supreme Court to decide. So let's wait until this go all the way to the Supreme Court. That's right. Um, is what we're, what we're waiting on. And we as American citizens, it is not fair for us to go out and vote for the person of our choice and for our votes to be canceled out with some irregularities or illegal voting that uh, can, we can clearly see is mm -hmm. happening within the system. Yeah. One thing I always learned with Donald Trump, uh, never count him out. Uh, and this this idea that, you know, so I, I don't know, I feel like this election telenovela is going to take a couple more, more turns. I, I feel like he, who knows, he may have the last laugh here. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Well, you never know and never bet against Trump is That's what right. I say. That's right. But what I will say is that, you know, 2020 this year, it gives you clear vision as to what's happening in our country, what's happening when it comes to the deep state the global elitists, the people that want to take over, want to bring in tyranny, yeah. want to act like that they're, that they're dictators. It, we can clearly see as the American people. So as the American people, what are we going to do about it? That's are right. we going to sit idly by and just let this happen? Or are we going to stand up for our constitutional rights? We're the United States of America, not the banana republic, but the United States of America, a republic governed by constitutional laws. That's right. So let's let the law take its course. Not something somebody made up in the back room, but the law, the, law. the constitutional law. 70 million plus people are going to think that Joe Biden and the Democrats stole this election. What, what do you think? They did. Yeah. I, I will be the first one to say when pre when we went to bed, President Up was in all all of these swing states. Some of these states was reporting at 99 percent. And then all of a sudden they get a massive ballot dump yeah. and all of those ballots are for Biden. That doesn't make any sense. Republicans can view those ballots. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Where are the envelopes? Where are the signatures? Things were broke. Listen, laws was broken. You cannot break the law and call this a fair and a, 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 a election. election. That's right. It's not a fair election. And it makes you ask the question about our past elections. Were those truly real elections? Were these machines being used in these different elections from the past? Who's really supposed to be in the Senate and in the House? What's really going on? It also explains why you have a lot of old people still sitting up there in the House trying to do all of this old stuff from back in the day and stay right there in those different positions while their constituents is living in this different district, the districts that they are supposed to run, but is running it into the ground. It explains a whole lot. And it also explains, if you look at Jim Crow Joe Biden, what he's doing now, bringing in these old players from back in yes. the day. Nothing new. Everything Nothing new. is all what we used to do. Yeah. This is crazy. But now, yeah. 2020, we have a clear vision. Yep. We now see exactly what's going on and who the players who the key deep state snake players are. That's right. We're tired of the same old racks that's been clogged in the pipe. It is time for something different. Our president have exposed the swamp. Now it's time for him to pull the plug. You know, it's interesting. Donald Trump, If let's just say for a moment that Joe Biden becomes president, whether or not you, you believe he's legitimate or not. Let's say he's the president. You can make the argument that Trump is actually even more 
popular and more powerful with the fact that he got millions of more votes and he's going to have a megaphone with 75 plus million people in this country. Absolutely. Yeah. And not only that, when you take and cancel our vote for a fake vote, that lets you know that Biden does not have the backing of the public. Right. He had the backing of the media and he had the backing of all of these people that they put in place to create uh, tyranny and anarchy in our country. They're probably paid to do it. But he really does not have the backing of the American people. You can't have the backing of dead people. That's you right. can't have the backing of illegal aliens. Right. It doesn't make any sense, okay? So I want people to really wake up and smell the coffee. This ain't over until God say it's over. That's right. I am still believing that President Trump will remain the 45th president of these United States. And President uh -huh. Trump is the one that won this election. It was just stolen from him by these elitists. Yeah, and I want- And I'm just keeping it really, really nice. No, for sure, for sure. Listen, you put up a tweet uh, just uh, today, earlier today, and it said this, all the forces of darkness cannot stop what God has ordained. And then there was video of you both praying with the president or over the president. Talk to me about why you thought that tweet was important because you're talking about evil forces and God's got his plan here. Hmm. Let me tell you something. Every day we put a tweet out like that at 11:21 a.m. Eastern Standard Time praying for this president. We understand what he is up against. Yes. So nothing can stop what God has ordained. We're believing he will remain the 45th president of the United States. That's right. What they saying or what they're trying to do, we want it all to come to light. Yeah. We want to see what they're doing so that the American people, you won't be like, oh my God, taking aback. Now you get to see why things are always in the same, why we're always in the same, same rut, yeah. dealing with the same type people. Yeah. So yes, every day there's a video or a picture with us praying with this president of the United States. We believe that he will prevail and we're waiting for these cases to go to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And I've got about a minute left, ladies, but I've got to ask you an increase of at least 4% of the African-American vote. Uh, so you're telling me Donald Trump won 7 million plus more votes. He increased his share of the African-American vote. He increased his share of the Hispanic vote and he lost to Joe Biden. I'm telling you what, I'm from New York City. Something smells fishy to me. Something is fishy. And he didn't lose. And it's nine more million people. And nah. I believe it's 26% of the African-American yeah. vote. And once they sort out all of the fraud, it's probably going to go up even, even more. more. And another thing, how is it that he can win all of these Congress seats? We won all of these. But you mean he didn't win his, his seat? seat? It doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. And that's why we have to get to the bottom of it. Biden should move forward with anything that's until right. we address this. That's because right. you cannot disenfranchise 73 million people. And shame on the Republicans that want our president to concede to a lie. I view the Republican Party and the Democrat Party as one bird with two corrupt wings. It's going to be up to we, the American people, to stand up for our freedoms and fight for our rights here in this country. If not, we will be looking like a third world country. Diamond and Silk, always great to see you both. Ladies, thank you for being patriots in this country. Really appreciate you both. Thank, thank you, and thank, thank you for, for having us. us. And welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, boy, I wonder if the media is going to miss Donald Trump. Oh, come on. We know the answer. Of course, they're going to miss Donald Trump. He was, let's be honest, he was good for business 
And boy, did he give them plenty of headlines. Let's bring in Paul Farhi with the Washington Post, the media critic there. Uh, Paul, always good to see you uh, on this Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Likewise, David. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, Paul, uh, look, we had a presidential sighting today. Uh, there he was, uh, at least for a minute or so, in the briefing room. Uh, it didn't take long. If you blinked, you missed it. What would you make of uh, what we saw for at least 60 seconds or so? Well, it was a news conference that really wasn't a news conference, was it? I mean, he came out and made his uh, pronouncements about the stock market, uh, which uh, hit uh, a new high. And he also praised the uh, vaccine development effort, and then he was gone. Uh, So he uh, said his piece and uh, didn't take any questions, didn't really face the press. There's no real reason why he had to do what he did, but that's the way he uh, set it up, and that's the end of that. (laughs) Paul, don't you feel, I mean, come on, you've been following him for a while. Don't you feel like he does this all on purpose? Like, in other words, he trots it out for a minute Everybody wants to ask him a question. It's like kind of like a, a season cliffhanger at the end. What is he going to say? And you know everybody wants to ask him questions, and he just isn't quite there yet, won't do it, and it just builds the suspense even more. Yeah, and, you know, David, he uses the press as a prop. Uh, he has a long and uh, checkered history with the, the news media, of course, but he's done this before where he's come out into the Rose Garden and other settings Uh, made a speech or made an announcement or said uh, remarks off the cuff. The press is sitting there waiting to ask the questions, and then nothing. And um, Trump likes to do that. I mean, it's uh, part of the Trump show. And, you know, frankly, we kind of expect it, and uh, we're there to cover whatever news he makes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd also like to ask a question, and uh, or more than a question. And uh, But, you know, he manipulates the situation to his best advantage. And that's what he did today. Paul, you mentioned questions. What do you think is on the top of the media list of questions for him? I mean, uh, I've got a couple that I'd like to ask. Uh, is, is there one that if you were there at the press conference, you, you'd like to ask? Uh, I'd like to ask him about the transition. Uh, what does he intend to do? How does he uh, intend uh, to handle the handoff to, to Joe Biden? Um, does he intend to handle the handoff to Joe Biden? I mean, there's still questions of whether he's ever going to concede. I mean, my expectation is, is he will walk away. We'll never hear a concession speech. He doesn't have to make a concession speech, but we will uh, are still waiting to figure out what he's going to do. And he hasn't said one way or another, either telling us in the press or uh, mentioning it on Twitter. Um, officially, he's still fighting the election results. Yeah. What's your best guess? You think he shows up at the inauguration or too early to tell? Oh, no. No, I was saying even before the election, uh, if he lost, he'd never show up at the Uh, inauguration. Not only that, he's never going to show up for the somewhat traditional photo op of the outgoing president and the incoming president uh, in the the Oval Office uh, uh, sitting by the fireplace uh, having a nice chat. Hmm. It's just not going to happen. That's not his style. Fireside chats with President Trump. Ah, yes. Hey, uh, Paul, I want to play uh, a clip. We had uh, Jim Vandehei, the CEO and founder of Axios, on the show uh, yesterday. And this is what, and you probably read some of what he had to say about the media. Media has to take a good look at themselves in the mirror. Here's what he said to us. I think everybody in general, but the media in particular, has to have the humility to do some self-reflection. There's things that we got right. There's a lot that we got wrong. And I think the media needs to come to grips with this notion that it appears there's 50% of America that most publications just don't understand. They don't understand the Trump dynamic. The fact that Donald Trump 
despite all the coverage, all the things that he did and all the things that he said, that he'll end up getting 10 million more votes this time than last time around. Paul, what's your take? He seems to be onto something. Well, it, he is, but uh, I know Jim. I used to work with Jim when he was at the Washington Post before he went over Politico, before he left Politico to go over Axios. And this is kind of Jim's general take on things, is the media gets it wrong. Yes, of course we get it wrong, but uh, who got it right? And why did they get it right? And how do we know they were right and that we were going to be wrong? We don't try to get it wrong. Uh, we read the polls just like everybody else. The polls turned out to be not actually accurate in, many, in several places. They weren't in 2016 either. That's a question for pollsters to ask. Uh, the media, in good faith, tries to report what it uh, knows to be true at the time. That seemed to be true at the time. But the suggestion that we don't know America is kind of a broad and abstract and not particularly specific kind of accusation against the media. I'm not even sure what he means uh, by that, that we haven't gone to enough diners and interviewed enough Trump supporters, I, I think we already have. Yes. Well, I, I, th I think what he's referring to, uh, and it's something Newt Gingrich has talked about, obviously, and you might imagine what Newt's take on this is, but it becomes kind of an echo chamber, becomes a bit of a, uh, look, I mean, I, I, I live in Washington. I mean, you know, so do you. I mean, you, it becomes that a cellar corridor, and, and it does become kind of that, that, that echo chamber to the point where, you know, you're, not, you're talking to the same people for a while, and then these are the ideas and the stories that come from them, rather than some of the stories that maybe, you know, how it's playing in Peoria. Uh, I, I, if you think, David, that we spend our time talking to each other to come up with our stories, I think that's a naive uh, and inaccurate way I'm to not, understand how yeah. we do business. Um, we talk to people in the Trump campaign. We talk to people in the Biden campaign. We talk to voters. We talk to a lot of different people to come up with the stories we come up to. And by the way, the whole notion that there is something called the media is something I've always uh, had an issue with. The, the idea that we're all in some way one big thing is mistaken. We're a bunch of individuals, uh, in many cases, trying to do as accurate and yeah. as conscientious a job as we can. So there's no monolith but here. And to present us as a monolith is an, uh, a really yeah. uh, misunderstanding of the media. We, we have less than a minute, but but even Mark Halpern talks about the Gang of 500. In other words, there is an echo chamber. I mean, there is, there. if you look at the media from New York Times to Washington Post, I mean, there's a drumbeat of typically uh, a lot of the same narratives from some of the major media. That's what we're talking about, the major national media. But you're, you're presuming, David, that they're somehow made up or in some way concocted in an agreement amongst ourselves uh, there's no such thing. No one gets together to come up with narratives. We come up with narratives based on reporting and talking to actual people involved in the campaigns and, and the White House. Yeah. That's how the narratives are crafted, based on reality. Paul Farhi, always a great conversation. I appreciate the, the vibrant and honest give and take. Thanks so much, Paul. Likewise, David. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. You too. All right, boy, uh, when we come back, we have a lot, so much to talk about with Paul. We have him on the show every week because we like to do this. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. You know, one of the friends, we just had a friend of the show. Uh, Paul Farhi was on the show. Another friend of the show, uh, Alan Dershowitz, the Harvard Law Professor, Constitutional Law Professor. We had him on recently to talk about Donald Trump's path forward. How does it look? Here's what he told us. Let's take the following hypothetical. Let's assume there's something to the argument about the computer glitches. I don't know that there is. 
I've heard the allegations by very respected lawyers, and so I have to give some credence to that, but I haven't seen the evidence. Let's assume there are major computer glitches that might turn around the election results in Arizona or in Nevada or in Wisconsin or in Michigan or in Georgia or in Pennsylvania, and let's assume they have a trial, and the trial is ongoing. Experts are being called. Uh, it wouldn't be a jury trial. It would probably just be a judge trial. And let's assume the trial just couldn't end by December 15th. I can imagine a sympathetic secretary of state saying, sorry, we just can't certify. Remember, the 12th Amendment of the Constitution talks about a majority of all the electors appointed. The word appointed doesn't seem like it's probably the most apt phrase because most of them are not appointed. They're elected. But, you know, the Constitution doesn't tell the states how to select electors. So the, the next question that comes up is if there are no appointed electors, say, from Arizona, do you reduce the total number of electors by that number or do you just take it away from the required majority? These are questions of first impression. Nobody has ever, not only has nobody ever decided these questions, I don't think anybody has ever thought of these questions. <laughs> Right. So then it becomes a constitutional question here as it relates to we know what's in the Constitution, though. I'd like you to explain that further in terms of state legislatures having the constitutional <laughs> ability to do it. Uh, but there is the constitutional mayhem issue. You know, what's good for the country? Is there a balance here, Alan? There always is. And uh, you always think that what's in the Constitution is good for the country, but not necessarily. Remember, the Constitution has been able to adapt to almost every crisis that we face, but they couldn't adapt to, to uh, the, uh, the uh, segregation and slavery and secession. And we needed a civil war in the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to resolve that issue. So, you know, what's good for the country is not always the same as what's good for a particular candidate. In two previous elections that we all know about, when Nixon was defeated by Kennedy and Nixon really felt the election had been stolen from him in Illinois and other places. He decided in the best interest of the country to concede. Also, when Al Gore believed that the election had been stolen from him by a five to four partisan Supreme Court decision, he decided not to fight, to concede. Uh, that's not Trump's style. Um, he's not going to concede unless he believes that the uh, matter is completely resolved. That doesn't mean that he shouldn't cooperate with the transition. There's no reason he can't cooperate with the transition while still not conceding and still going forward with his challenges and still maintaining that he won the election. He can still say, look, COVID, uh, other issues, let's let the potential possible president who's going to come in to replace me in on information that will help him get a head start if he's the president, although I'm going to fight to make sure he doesn't become the president. He could do that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you can address this part. We had Kaylee McEnany on the show the other day, actually yesterday. She talked about that the, the White House right now is doing everything, and this is her quote, statutorily required regarding the transition process, and she punts it to the GSA uh, on this. Uh, what's your sense about what the White House is required or, or not required to do in a transition uh, at this point? I think she's right. I think that um, statutory requirements are relatively minimal. We've never had this issue before. Remember, there was no transition cooperation during the days of Bush versus Gore until it went to the Supreme Court because nobody knew who was going to be the, the president. And the 9-11 the Commission said that may have contributed to our lack of preparation for 9-11. That may have been a little apocalyptic. But mm -hmm. um, I do think that in the age of COVID, 
you should go beyond the statutory requirements and start cooperating in the medical best interest of all Americans. I, I, not to get into the weeds on all these states, but with Georgia, and it just seems like it's a mess down in Georgia. They keep finding it ballots, is. it seems, every day. Uh, but then you got Pennsylvania, you got Michigan. Is, is there a certain state you think that the Trump campaign has a better shot in? I know you need multiple states, but are, do you, where are yeah. you most concerned about what's been happening from a legal standpoint? Well, I think the state where he has the best chance is Pennsylvania, because there it's a wholesale, not a retail challenge. Retail challenges are a few votes here, a few votes there. In Pennsylvania, there is a group of votes. We don't know how many there are, probably in excess of, of several thousand, uh, which were submitted before the close of business on Election Day, but not received until after. Mm -hmm. The legislature said no to those votes. The Supreme Court of the state said yes to those votes. Uh, Justice Alito has said those votes have to be segregated. And I suspect that if a case went up to the Supreme Court and there were enough of those votes to make a difference in the election, the Supreme Court would rule in favor of Trump. So I think that's his strongest case to turn around Pennsylvania. But the numbers have to support him. Right now, it looks like yeah. Trump's behind by 60,000 votes. So he needs 60,000 challenged write-in ballots. I don't think he has those, but we don't know the numbers yet. Right. By the way, on a separate topic, I want to ask you, you put up the other day about on the Dirt Show, you talked about, will I be banned from speaking yeah. at Harvard? <laughs> the media has reported that Harvard students are circulating a petition to ban anyone who worked for the White House. In other words, you from speaking yeah. at Harvard. Uh, McCarthyism with a question mark? Expand on that real quick, Alan. Oh, of course, it's McCarthyism. Not only that, there was a petition to take away my status as emeritus professor because wow. I stood up on the floor of the Senate as a patriot and defended the Constitution. These are radical students who don't care about free speech, don't care about real diversity. They want everybody to be like them and are trying to ban people like me from speaking at Harvard, where I was for 50 years. They forget that they're not Harvard. They're just the temporary student body at Harvard. Harvard is its tradition, its alumni, its faculty, its past faculty, its donors, its supporters, you name it. And we're going to fight back and not allow these student bullies to bring McCarthyism to Harvard. When I first came Mm -hmm. uh, to Harvard, it was still remembering the days of McCarthyism. Harvard had a bad experience with McCarthyism, as did my college, Brooklyn College. I thought those days were gone forever. But these young McCarthyites, these young radical um, people stirred on by AOC, she's the one who stirred this on. She wants yeah. to create blacklists against anybody who had any cooperation with the Trump administration. But we're going to fight it and we're going to win. Alan Dershowitz here on the water cooler. By the way, uh, Alan Dershowitz, a big fan of gefilte fish. Madison, am I correct that we're getting him on to compare gefilte fishes? That, yeah, well, hopefully Monday is what Madison is saying. We're saying bottom line is he loves gefilte fish. Uh, I grew up Jewish. I can't stand it. As a matter of fact, I would say, let me say this on the record, run for the hills uh, when it comes to gefilte fish, but he loves it. So we'll get him to break it down. Uh, and where are you going to see that anywhere else on national television? Alan Dershowitz breaking down the filter fish, only here on the water cooler. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. As we gather around the Thanksgiving table this week, let's be thankful that we live in the greatest country in the world. But let's also pray that this country comes to its senses because COVID restrictions are out of control. This Thanksgiving in Pennsylvania, you need to wear a mask inside your home. Oregon and many other states are limiting the number of people in your house to no more than six and threatening jail time, by the way, if you violate the order. In New Jersey, no singing aloud around the table. 
California, outdoor Thanksgiving meals only and no more than two hours, please. It goes on and on and on. Of course, we know how houses of worship are under attack. Just this week, New York City fined a Hasidic Jewish synagogue in Brooklyn $15,000 for hosting a wedding without proper COVID restrictions. And how about the church front? Pastors being criminally charged and arrested for holding church. And some churches are being threatened with government seizure and bulldozing their actual churches if they open their doors to more than 10 people. Folks, this is literally insane. I mean, we are told to do all of this in the name of science, to stay healthy, to be smart. Hey, straight up, this is all bridge too far. I mean, this isn't called being smart. Because when you see your liberties and your freedoms being stripped away day after day, we're not being smart. We're being stupid. Now, this is not the 1770s we're living under. For example, King George, he's not around. Instead, here we go. Welcome to America. You've got King Gavin Newsom. Or how about Andrew Cuomo? Or how about Queen Gretchen Whitmer of the Great Lakes? All of them in their nice little crowns across this country. You know, in 1775, as King George continued his oppression on the colonies, uh, founding father Patrick Henry stood up famously in a Richmond, Virginia church and uttered the famous words, give me liberty or give me death. His speech, a clarion call to the House of Delegates in Virginia to declare independence, take up arms, and go to war against Britain. Well, look, folks, minus the taking up of the arms part, are we not at a point of civil disobedience to take back part of our liberties? Patrick Henry said this, and tell me if this doesn't ring true today. Here's what he said. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And folks, here on The Last Sip, Here on this show, here on the water cooler, those are my sentiments exactly. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Well, we heard from President Trump today. Uh, He was talking about the Dow Jones. He was talking about COVID. Uh, He didn't talk at all about election fraud unless you went to Twitter, but that's a whole separate universe. Uh, However, he did speak uh, also today in the Rose Garden, and it was time to pardon the annual turkey. Have a look. We give thanks to the priceless freedoms that we've inherited, and we ask God to watch over and protect our nation and its people during this incredible holiday and in all of the years to come. We ask that of God. Once again, Melania and I wish to thank everybody for your incredible courtesies and also wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And now it's time for the moment of our guest of honor, They've been waiting, and in this case, he's been waiting for this. And uh, bring him out. Look at that beautiful, beautiful bird. Oh, so lucky. That is a lucky bird. It's corn, yes, corn. Corn, I hereby grant you a full pardon. Thank you, corn. I hereby, you are pardoned. 
I love it. Roger Stone and the turkey. Fantastic. Uh, good for him. Uh, by the way, here's some trivia for you. You know, everybody thinks turkeys are stupid. Okay, well, they kind of are. But beyond the fact that we also understand that they apparently die, like, in the rain because they, like, lift their, like, I'm not going to do a turkey impression, but they kind of do this in the rain. No, it's because apparently they get freaked out by lightning and thunder, so they stay there. They stay frozen in the rain and then and dead. And that's the end of the turkey. By the way, a quick little fact on a Tuesday uh, before Thanksgiving. Did you know the, uh, the fleshy drape over the male turkey's beak is called a snood? And the flesh on his neck is called a waddle. Where are you going to learn that? You'll learn it right here on the water floor. Big happy Thanksgiving. Overeat. We'll see you.